0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three-step drop, close on the zone. oh, ball, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in.
1: Here they go again, Timbo Mo dropping the throw, Winston out, and got those to the left.
0: It's intercepted at the 35, outside the numbers to the 40, to the 35, to the 30, to the 25, to the 20, to the 15, 10, Mike Edwards, touchdown Tampa Bay. That's the dagger, my friend. This is the big nasty, yeah, big nasty, all-fame Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, baby. This is Mike
1: Allstock, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire!
0: You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there, the cannons go. Fire them! Keep on firing them!
1: Keep on firing them! Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another off-season edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BoxNation.com, Mister Evan. Wanish. The NFL Combine is here. Runs from now to the end of the week. Today was day one up there in Indianapolis. We heard from Tampa Bay Buccaneers General Manager Jason Light, head coach Todd Bowles. We got to hear who they're going to be interested in watching at the Combine this week. And uh some more newsworthy updates that we're gonna catch you up on. Yes, and, and on we, we do have breaking podcast. news. Uh-oh. Um
0: the Buccaneers are playing to release Leonard Fournette when a new league year begins March fifteenth.
1: There we go. So uh, I guess we kick off today's show with some breaking news. We got some other release news that we'll talk about here in a second. Um, but thank you for breaking the news, buddy. Aside from that, how you doing, friend?
0: I'm doing good. Starting off right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Starting off. Uh, starting off good. Yeah, it's per Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. Uh, just tweeted out about a minute ago.
1: All right, so let's go ahead and get into the latest here with Leonard Fournette being the latest cap casualty for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The other name on the list was Donovan Smith, who is expected to be released. That was originally reported by Scott Reynolds and Pewter Report, who was on top of the Byron Leftwich firing before it was officially reported. So, I mean, safe to say if Scott's already on it and, you know, he's sticking his neck out there, it's going to be happening. But Leonard Fournette, uh, I don't remember the amount of money the Bucs saved with this move but uh, they get out of a three-year deal with the running back who they signed just a year ago. What are your thoughts on this one?
0: Yeah, it's something I sort of expected, I think. I, I think we talked about, um, I'm not sure if it was last show or the show before, but about Leonard Fournette and just saying I think if Brady would have stayed, I think that really would have helped the chances of him staying, but now that Brady's gone, um, not a surprise that that Fournette moves on here.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talked at nauseam last week just about new offensive coordinator Dave Canales and what he can bring to this offense, but more specifically that running back position. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bucks address it. Obviously, they could spend a higher round draft pick on a running back, but maybe there's some other spots on that offense they want to try and uh, test their luck with. So we'll have to wait and see. Let's talk about Donovan Smith, the release of him Will save Tampa Bay about $9.95 million in cap space. So let's just round up and say a clean $10 million. So between that and Leonard Fournette, they're certainly well on their way to getting back over the cap before March 15th. Donovan Smith, a veteran left tackle for this team. I know a very divisive player, especially with his uh you know his fumbles in recent years, but I mean he's a guy who who was I hate to say an Man for Tampa Bay, but that's what he was for a long time. He started a lot of games and didn't miss any due to injury until recent seasons. But, you know, he's always been criticized for his play, even before the Tom Brady era with Jameis Winston as a quarterback. People were critical of the left tackle and uh, seems like the Bucs are ready to move on.
0: Yeah, and this was another one. I was I was this was a little bit tougher um, than Fournette, because like I said, about how when you cut the player, you got to replace the player. In Fournette's case, they ever shot white there um, makes it a little bit easier, and it's probably easier, much easier to find a running back than is a left tackle. So um, this one, I'm sure, is a little bit tougher for him. Um, now, I mean, Peter report did say expected to released, so while it's not, uh, you know, official, it's like you said, if Scott Reynolds is reporting it, um, it's it's very very likely to happen. Uh, he doesn't just throw that stuff out there without it being, you know, good information. So um, yeah, I mean it. You know, it was one I thought was going to be one of the tougher ones, and this is one of the tough decisions you have to make when you are as far over the salary cap as the Bucks are. So, um, yeah, save close to ten million dollars. Um, they can save like fifteen if they post, uh, if they get him with a post June one designation. I'm not sure exactly how that works. I'm not sure if they can do that while also still like cutting him right now. So. Um, yeah, I mean, the, we knew it was coming, and the the trims are, are starting to, to happen right now. So Jason Light even talked today about how they're going to have to say goodbye to some of those players who helped them win the Super Bowl. And uh, two players right now who are on that Super Bowl team or big parts of it are no longer going to be Buccaneers.
1: Absolutely. Something else Jason like got the opportunity to speak on today at the combine was the quarterback situation. Now we heard new offensive coordinator Dave Canales come in last week and in his introductory presser. He spoke a lot about Kyle Trask. He had a lot of good things to say the possibilities, um, you know, the roof that that Kyle has as a player, the talent that a lot of people are hoping he ends up becoming. But, you know, Aside from doubling down on on the idea of Kyle Trask as their QB1, Jason Light also said today that they have every intention of bringing in some legitimate competition for Kyle Trask. He also said that maybe looking at a quarterback early in the draft is something that they're not going to rule out. Um, So, you know, just like we talked to you, uh, you know, This time a couple of weeks ago. It doesn't seem like much has changed as far as developments in the Buccaneers quarterback realm. But today, I think we're going to tally off some more names that uh, have come into the conversation and also recap some guys that we have already mentioned. Let's shout out really quickly everyone hanging out with us here in the live chat over on YouTube. Bucks Gang in the house. Truly appreciate you hanging out with us. Jason Light said today, and he kind of doubled down and he basically said that they're fully comfortable with the idea of Kyle Trask being your quarterback one heading into week one. Now, obviously, we have to assume that that still carries the context of bringing in some legitimate competition. But if Kyle Trask is your quarterback week one, uh, it's safe to say that, you know, in any situation, he's going to have to earn it. And uh, the Bucks are fully aware of that. Jason Light said that today.
0: Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing. Um, it's a slippery slope because he's the only quarterback under contract right now. so um, you know they' they're gonna say that the right things and like you said, Jason Light mentioned like it's not going to just be his job and we've said that in the past like he wasn't just going to be given the job um, and say hey Kyle, you're the you're the quarterback one um so I, I think you know that's smart. Um, now we'll see what level of competition it is. You know, it could be. I mean, they've said they were going to bring in competition for Roberto Aguayo, I remember, um, after his rookie season, and, and they signed, um, you know, a guy off a of practice squad who wasn't really a big name. That wasn't really competition. You know, it's just another body there. So is it a guy like Drew Locke? as a competition or is it a guy like Jacoby Brissett who's a competition two very different things there so uh, I'm curious to see what veteran quarterback they go out and target um I do think that you could see them draft a quarterback and sign a veteran quarterback now when I say draft a quarterback that does not mean the first round doesn't even mean in the second or third round um but I think at some point you could see them drafting a quarterback probably on day three um So I I think that the quarterback room could look a lot like Kyle Trask, um, whoever that veteran may be, and and then a rookie.
1: Let's talk about some of the other names that have entered the conversation as far as the veteran quarterback route goes. Uh, I talked about this in a video with James earlier this week. That is former Washington quarterback Carson Wentz. Now, this is a guy we obviously saw get plenty of chances to be the starter in Philly, had some injuries hold him back. He got a chance to be the starter, started 17 games for the Indianapolis Colts, who have been a quarterback carousel in themselves. He was obviously let go, given the reins in Washington, and uh, under head coach Ron Rivera could not keep that starting job. So a lot of people are obviously going to hear the name Carson Wentz, and they're going to cringe, right? Because the NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, and Carson Wentz has not been good. Um, He didn't play well enough to hang on to that starting job in Washington. I know Maybe there were some nagging injuries for him this year. And uh Indianapolis, you know, the end of that season was painful. I think that year in Indy, he threw for three and a half thousand yards, twenty-seven touchdowns, seven interceptions, which on paper isn't a terrible uh you know, stat line to look at, but the way that they played down the stretch, especially that final game against Jacksonville where I think it was win or go home yeah
0: it was winning in <laughs> yeah and uh you
1: know he came out as flat as he had all year so he's clearly not the guy that they needed to step up in that situation but with all of that being said at the end of the day Carson Wentz checks all the criteria for what the Bucks are going to want in a veteran quarterback you know he didn't win the Super Bowl with Philly he was on that Super Bowl roster he had a really big part in and uh, keeping that team successful in the early part of the regular season before his injury and Nick Foles came in. But, you know, he's kind of been there. He's He's been the guy for a couple of organizations. Has it always worked out? No. But he's had his highs and lows, and I do think he could be legitimate competition for Kyle Trask. What do you think of Carson Wentz?
0: It's a tough thing because when he, when he's on, he's good. Um but when he's not, it's brutal. <laughs> there, there, and there really is no in between. Um, that's that's the problem. And you know, he's been prone to turnovers, uh, not really interceptions, but the, the fumbles. Uh, his pocket awareness is not where it needs to be. I mean, he is one of the worst quarterbacks I think in the NFL starting quarterbacks when it comes to pocket awareness. Um, yeah, you know, I it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I just think there's some that offer you a lot more upside, like a Baker Mayfield or like I think Jacoby sets a better option. Um you know, and I would just at that point, like you'd rather just you would hope if you signed Wentz that you'd just that Trask would take the job, I think, because there's just there's more upside to be gained there than there is with Gorth Carson Wentz. He just he has the tools of uh, you know, big guy. He's got a strong arm. Uh, he's mobile. I mean, he can he can avoid tacklers and stuff. It's not like he's a statue back there. I mean, he, he is mobile enough. It's just that there's a lot of frustrations with him. And there's a reason that he's going to be on his fourth team in four years. Like, there is a reason. He lasted one year in Indy after they trade a uh, first-round pick for him. Yeah. A first-round pick for him. And they decided to cut him after one season or try to say trade him. And now Washington's cutting him after one season. There's a reason for that. So, i would personally stay away um i don't expect the bugs to be involved there uh but you know never say never i guess
1: number two overall pick back in 2016 and uh you know you've said this about other guys before but with carson when seven years as a starter in the nfl he's been around long enough to where you know what you're gonna get um you know the the talent is still there. The pros are still there. When he's on, he's on. But when he's bad, he is definitely one of the worst. And uh, I think he's going to be looked at because the Bucks are obviously going to do due diligence. But Carson Wentz, you know, he's going to be on the lower end of, uh, you know, how we would rank these free agent quarterbacks based off of their ability, best available, things like that. But he's also going to be one of the cheapest options, in my opinion, because the guy desperately needs a job. Let's talk about another quarterback who was released today. This one actually within the division and something that everyone saw coming, but something that would be pretty interesting when we talk about just the players in general who have worn a Buccaneers uniform over the last three or four seasons. This next one is. It would be uh, very funny. Yeah, I know. It would be incredibly ironic. Uh, Marcus Mariota, the Atlanta Falcons officially released him earlier today. We know that, you know, that kind of ended awkwardly at the tail end of the 2022 season between the two of them. And uh, we also know that Marcus Mariota was just one pick away from becoming the Bucks' potential franchise quarterback. But of course, back in 2015, they took Jameis Winston number one overall on that fateful day. And the rest is history. So with Marcus Mariota, again, he's been around long enough. I mean, been in the league longer than Carson Wentz. So the same conversation can be had. Um you kind of know what you're going to get. He's never going to be a guy who's going to move the needle as far as a quarterback position. You know, he's not going to come in here and, and I guess shake up this quarterback room. And I do think he is a guy that Kyle Trask could potentially win the job from. Um, but what do you make of, of Marcus Mariota, even if he's just a backup?
0: Um, it would be, it would be interesting because not only the, the all the storyline stuff, but like the style of play he has, um, is really not something that the bucks have gone for mostly. Um, you know, I wouldn't say he's a scrambler type, but he, he has a lot of mobility as we know, you know, from watching a lot of him at Oregon, obviously with, with preparations for, for Tampa getting the top pick that year. And, um, you know, then in Tennessee, his first career start, you know, he gashed the bucks, you know, and, um, the style that he plays with would be a change from what they've typically gone with. And maybe that style was something Dave Canales would want. Maybe, you know, Gino Smith is kind of very similar. So, um, it, it wouldn't, again, it wouldn't shock me. I just, I don't think, I don't think that's likely. I, I could see, and this is the ironic part about Mariota is I could see him ended up in, uh, in Philly as the backup quarterback, which we all know Chip Kelly's obsession uh, back in 2015 with, with landing him couldn't do it obviously, but um, I could see him in, in the bat, the backup position there. But as far as in Tampa, I, I again, I think there's other there's other possibilities with probably better upside there
1: now one more thing I wanted to talk about before we get to a couple of other candidates and some other things Jason Light, Todd Bowles had spoke about today at the combine I-, I wanted to ask you about this regarding the free agent quarterback situation so you had said before on this podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago that you know at the end of the day I know the Bucks still have an uphill battle against the cap but as far as free agents go you know free agent quarterbacks maybe someone who the Bucs want a guy like Jimmy G or Derek Carr they could at the cost of mortgaging some more pieces of the team towards the future, right? But with all of that being said, my question is, you know, with Jason Light saying what he said today, doubling down on Kyle Trask and and kind of everyone seemingly pointing towards the idea that the Bucks are just going to go ahead and stick with a cheap veteran, do you think the door is closing on them, you know, sticking their neck out and, and going after a big name quarterback or... You know, it, are we kind of getting away from that? Because I know there wasn't a strong chance at the start of the offseason, but I certainly feel like there's less of a chance they they go and make a crazy move like that now.
0: Yeah, I, I do think that door um, is beginning to... Not slam shut completely, but I think it's beginning to close. Um, I think it's it's at this this the early stages of closing. It just doesn't seem like that's something. I and mean, you, you you know you see lights comments and bowls comments today, and everything that you hear and stuff, and everything that you hear from the quarterbacks themselves about their cars market or Jimmy Garoppolo's market. It just doesn't seem like something that the Bucs would be willing to do. And yeah. And like you said, I mentioned, you know, yeah, they can do, they can sign the free anything they want. Like you can, if you really want a guy, you can find ways to get the guy, but it's all about that risk versus reward thing. And um, are you risking, are you willing to risk? I should say, losing some talented players, maybe not this year, but next year or the year after that, or the year after that, over a guy who's not, who's, you know, Derek Carr's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. Like, is it worth it? Like a guy like Tom Brady, sure. A guy like Lamar Jackson, sure. But that's you know, Lamar Jackson's not happening. So, like in like a Jimmy Garoppolo, is it worth it to lose um, a potential you know, Anton Winfield Jr. Like because you can't you you know you can't afford him, um, or, or is you know so. It's tough, and I, I think they're starting to realize that. Um, and I do think that, yeah, that that door. I, I think any Bucks fans, sort of one thing, Derek Carr or one thing, a Jimmy Garoppolo, um, are probably going to be disappointed, and they should probably start preparing themselves now um, for that possibility to not really exist.
1: Well, it, you know, I know normally they uh, they leak the script a couple of weeks early. Maybe a couple of months before the season, we'll get the script for for what it's going to look like in 2023. You know, we got the script back in 2019, figured out Brady was going to be a buck in March 2020. We all freaked out. So, you know, if we get any updates on the uh, the 2023 NFL script and, and the Bucks managed drastically changed over the years, like I, I would say, you know, the last five, six years, maybe seven years, wrestlers, the WWE, the organizations themselves are, are far.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: (laughs) So, uh, so. you know, I wanted to talk a little more about what Jason light said today with the quarterback position. And um, he didn't rule out the Buccaneers drafting a new quarterback competitor for Kyle Trask in the early rounds of the 2023 NFL draft. So with that being said, I know we talked a lot last week about potential college candidates, of course, you know, Anthony Richardson out of Florida going to be one of the top quarterback names linked to Tampa Bay. That's if they pick it number 19. Um, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Will Levis from Kentucky, which seems like a great player. Someone that I would like them to uh, to go after if they want to get aggressive and draft someone. But that's what I'm here to ask you about is in a situation where the Buccaneers draft a quarterback. You know, this year in particular, one, they have to really like the guy. And two, I think something not enough people are talking about is 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 the fact that they're not the only team in the division looking for a quarterback. In fact, every single team in the NFC South and I think a lot of teams in the AFC South if I'm not mistaken are looking for quarterbacks. I mean, there there are, you know, a lot of teams that are going to be floating around, maybe looking to make some moves. And with that being said, if the bucks see a guy and they really like them, I think if they end up drafting a guy, they're going to have to be aggressive, and, and we're going to see them trade up and, and take the guy that they want. Um, what do you think? You think a scenario where the Buccaneers draft a guy? Uh, to me, I just I don't think it's going to be at 19, especially when you got Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta all in the market for a quarterback. You're going to want to jump down and get in front of uh, at least two of those teams to get your guy and make sure he's still on the board, right?
0: Yeah, um, you're you're right. There's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks and a lot of uh, not, or I should say not a lot of quarterbacks to fill all those spots. So um, when you talk about the draft, the, the thing about it, and they can have interest in Anthony Richardson or Will Levis or anybody, you know, all they want. Yeah, like you're not gonna get those guys at 19. Like that's not gonna happen. I'm personally, I'm not a big fan of Will Levis. Um, and I'm, and I'm actually, I'm, I, I like Anthony Richardson, but I'm not enough of an Anthony Richardson fan to be willing to move up for him because you're gonna have to move into uh, probably at this rate the top six because I mean you got Vegas at seven. You know, and if Vegas gets Aaron Rodgers or, you know, they get a Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe that changes. But I, I think there's a chance they go. And then you got Carolina. City, lost a bunch. I'm So I do think they have an interest in Anthony Richardson. Um, Stroud, uh, Rick Stroud put out an article a little bit earlier saying that. um the, the Bucks were going to keep a close eye on Anthony Richard at the combine. And I just think that dude is going to blow up at the combine. Like he's going to nail all the testing. Like the, the combine is for the best athletes. And he is one of the best athletes in the, in the draft. Um, and I just think he's gonna he's gonna show out. And I think by the end of that combine, he's gonna I think he'll end up being drafted before Will Levis. I think he'll be the third quarterback off the board. So you're gonna have to get pretty high for, for a guy like that. And I just I don't think the Buccaneers, especially with if next year, if 2023 goes south, that 2024 quarterback draft class is very strong. Kayla Williams, Drake May, um, among others that, that could potentially rise. I, I don't know if you want to you know, if you want to put all your eggs in one basket here uh, in, in this class, w- with such a, a stronger class potentially looming, so and you have a lot of needs now, so you need every draft pick you should get, and I just don't think the Bucks are in a position to be able to trade up and mortgage some of their future for a guy like Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, who I don't think either is a short thing.
1: Well, and that's what they love to do every single year. Right. I mean, this week at the combine, once you get ready for workouts, you start to see the more athletic players stick out in those position groups where a guy like Anthony Richardson, who's probably not going to be QB one on a lot of people's board, is going to immediately jump out because of that 40 time, because of the shuttle drill, because of, you know, everything that he does well athletically really being put on display and that's when people start to hype these guys up. And, and we've seen it happen time and time again. We refer to it as the Kenny Bell effect among Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans, right? Where you watch a guy run around in a shortened t-shirt and he looks great. He looks awesome. He looks like, you know, the next greatest player That your team is about to get and um, you know, sometimes that doesn't always end up being the case and and I hate to come down on Anthony Richardson like that because I've made it known that I'm not the biggest fan of him coming into the draft this year. I thought maybe another year at Florida would have done him wonders, but that's clearly not what he wanted and uh, you know, it is what it is, but there's a lot of other guys in this draft that are really going to jump out and um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how aggressive the bucks are going to be. But just like you said, you know, you're already kind of paying for what happened. Obviously the cap situation with Tom Brady filing his retirement paperwork the way that he did. And then, you know, the full $35 million hitting you this year, you're 55 million over the cap. I know that they just cut Donovan Smith and Leonard Fournette, but there's also a report being floated out, but, that that was done, you know, not just to save money, but just because of subpar play as well. Factoring into that. No, um, oh,
0: no, for, for sure. If, if they played well, the bucks would have found a way to keep them. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if you're, if you're worth it, you're like, that's why the bucks aren't going to be cutting some other guys that they could, you know, to, to save money. If you're worth it, they're not going to cut you because they, they're still trying to win. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a transition year. I just, they're not rebuilding. Like, like this is not, not a rebuild. Yeah. And it's Um,
1: so it's incredibly risky for for Jason Light, you know, of all people to go out here and and make a move on a quarterback in the draft this year, because very, you, you know, if you come away with a quarterback in the first round, even if he's there at 19, that's an aggressive move. But to trade up, you know, your your expectations for what this guy can become are sky high. And you're also bringing him into potentially be quarterback uh, competition for Kyle Trask, who Jason Light said today was drafted as a second round pick for a reason. So it's like, you know, what kind of message are you sending at that point? But uh, well, again, also- I, I still think it is something that we could consider. Maybe there is a guy they like this year where they want to get that aggressive. It's a it's a big risk, but I definitely don't think it's impossible.
0: Yeah. So. um and my thing is like, I like Anthony Richardson, but I don't think Anthony Richardson is a guy that's going to be thrown in day one to be a starter. Like that's not how he's going to find success. He needs a year. Um, He might need two years. Who knows? I mean, he, I think he has all the potential in the world. I think he might have the highest potential out of any quarterback in this entire draft class, but potential is, is different than readiness and uh, potential is dangerous. I mean, it, it is very dangerous. And um you know, it, it's, it's not, it, it's not going to be, um, you know, it's not going to be easy to, to sit there and move up for a guy, move up many spots for a guy, give up a ton of draft capital and then not have that guy start year one. Like that's, that's tough. Um, so I, I do think that, um, you know, and you talk about when Jason light would draft him and, and there's, there's two ends of this, I think, um, one would be if Jason Light drafts a quarterback, that may actually sort of buy him two years or so. Maybe you know, like it might be like, you know, if the Glazers want to fire him, it'd be like, look, like we got this first round quarterback. Let's see how he does first, you know? Um, so it may buy him some time. At the same time, does Jason Light want to really draft someone that he may never even see play as a, when he's the GM, you know, like, Draft Anthony Richardson, things go south. The Glaciers decide to move on. All of a sudden, a new GM's coming in with the guy you that you drafted. You scouted and you drafted. And um, so I, I think there's there's two ends of that spectrum there. Um, one that could buy him a little bit of leeway, and other that could really ramp up the pressure um, on him to get it right. He's already gotten a number one pick. Number one overall pick quarterback, not on the roster anymore. So didn't win the Super Bowl with that guy. Um, you know, you would think that the Bucs won the 2020 Super Bowl. And you would think that, okay, James Winston was their quarterback. That's how it's supposed to go, right? You draft a guy number one overall, and five years later, he wins the championship. No, that's not how it works. So um, I think if, if you're drafting a quarterback in the first round, specifically trading up for one, which I think you're going to have to do, um, you need to be short to hit. And I just don't think there's enough – um, there's enough sure things there. I mean, no thing's a sure thing, but I don't think there's enough there in either Richardson or Levis to to do that move and feel confident about it. Now, the reason we, the reason we aren't talking about the other two, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, is that would take a ginormous package um, because you're talking about probably having to get into the top three at that point, probably maybe even top two um, to land one of those guys, and that's just not. I mean. I just don't know. I don't know a world where the Buccaneers have enough assets to pull that type of deal off. So that's why we haven't really talked about either of those two, because it's, you know, kind of the one and two, not really likely. But the quarterbacks three and four, maybe, you know, so um, I don't think it's going to happen. Would it shock me? I would be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked um, just because, and they typically, Jason Light loves the draft, and you're talking about giving up your 2024 first-round pick as well in a year where there's no guarantee you're going to be that good. Like, that could be a top-ten pick. So I just, I don't think it's, it's worth the risk.
1: On the topic of the NFL draft and what the Bucks could potentially do with that first-round pick, uh, I've been looking at a lot of mock drafts, just like many people have this year. And I'll be honest with you, something that I have not seen a lot of is people picking the bucks to take an offensive lineman in the first round. I mean, I've seen a lot of offensive help. I've seen everything from a quarterback like Anthony Richardson to a wide receiver to, you know, some defensive help to to fill in some of the gaps along the defensive line. But you would think maybe the offensive line position would be more of a talking point and maybe it will, you know, in the weeks after this, because of the official news of Donovan Smith being, uh, being released by Tampa Bay. But have you noticed that as well? Like, are, are you surprised that there is a lack of people expecting the bucks to, to try and make a move on an offensive lineman here?
0: Um, no, here's the thing. And actually when I wanted to talk about this a little bit, um, computer report in their article that said you know Donovan smith expects it to be released and stuff mentioned that the bucks might consider uh moving tristan Wars to left tackle which we've talked about a little bit um and i've sort of you know poured cold water on the idea but uh, you know maybe like it, it's possible i didn't say it's not gonna happen it's just i don't you Luke know, Getticke I just don't think it's an
1: experience. A right? Heck, I mean, I, I, I know, you, you I, know, I know, Jason, know. I'm just Jason saying. White, Jason Light also said today he expects Logan Hall and, and Luke Edicki to make massive strides in the following season. It's it's just not. I, I mean, it's just I, not. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. You done? Yeah. I don't want to be dramatic. Sorry.
0: No, well, no, you did a good job of not being dramatic. Um, so I just, it's not Madden, you know, like it's not like so simple to move a guy from the right to the left side. So could it happen? Sure. Um, and if Tristan worse an all pro left tackle, whew, you got something there. And I mean, his, his contract was already going to be ridiculous at right tackle. Imagine if he plays well at left tackle, that's going to be insane. Um, but, you know, I don't think it's going to rule them out of drafting a left tackle. I think that may depend on, I think, sort of their, you know, break glass emergency might be try to source a left tackle if they can't land um, a guy they like enough in free agency um, to, to compete for a starting job, or they can't land a guy at 19 or in the second round or the third round to compete for that job. I mean, you remember Donovan Smith himself was a second round pick was a day one starter for this team. So you can find a day one starting left tackle the second round there. So um, I, I do think that um they're going to look now. I mean, there, there's a few guys, uh, Broderick Jones from Georgia, not positive. He's going to be there. I real, I don't think Paris Johnson or Peter Skaronsky, the top two tackles. I don't believe they're going to be at 19. Um, so, I mean, I could see it, but I do think honestly, in the first round at this point, with all the free agents they have on that particular side of the ball, I think a defensive player is, is I'm not sure of the position. It could be safety corner edge rusher, even linebacker. I, but I just think the the I just think the most likely option is them going to uh, go the defensive player route, just because they have so many free agents on that side of the ball, and I just think they need to spend some resources there.
1: Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense too, because we spoke a lot about how they need to just get younger, like point blank period on uh, on that defensive line. You know, the free agents they brought in last year clearly didn't help as much as they needed to. Guys like Akeem Hicks were were there they were present but you know he wasn't as game-changing as they wanted him to be and maybe that old age had something to do with it you know the guys that they had moved on from before simply because of age and uh, I think that's what a lot of it's going to boil down to so they've they've needed to get younger on defense for a couple of years now and and I think that is more likely to be something that starts in the first round of the draft but on the offensive side of the ball in the trenches it's funny because we haven't had that conversation as much you know, there's a lot of young guys back there. Like Robert Haynes, he got a lot of playing time, but he's still a young guy. Uh, Luke Getticke is still a young guy. Nick Leverett, a relatively young guy. And then uh, obviously Aaron Stinney may or may not be back in the mix next year for Tampa Bay. We'll have that conversation when the time comes. But let me ask you one more thing. And, um, you know, this has to do with cap casualties, this has to do with some guys that may or may not be released. It's a name we've already mentioned before on the show. Leonard Fournette, Donovan Smith already moving on. Russell Gage, who is currently signed uh to a three year deal with Tampa Bay, two years left, and I think he averages about ten million dollars a year on that contract. Jason Light said today at the Combine that Russell Gage struggled last year due to injuries and kind of echoed a lot of what we said throughout the year, or at least a lot of what I said throughout the year. Cause I'm, I'm still a big fan in Russell Gage. I know he didn't give me a ton of reason to be throughout last season. I, I, I spoke highly of him in the final few weeks of the year, but you know, I, I think what Jason light said today um, might have some people, you know, second guessing on uh, on if the box are just going to cut bait with, with Russell gauge, cause it's a big contract and they can save some money and he is a candidate, but you know, just like with cutting any other player on this team right now, you're going to have to find a replacement. And for the price that they're paying, what the market's going to be when it's time to pay for another one, you know, I, I don't know if there's any other more practical options who are just as good as Russell Gage, you know, for wide receiver three floating around.
0: Well, and also, by cutting him, you're saving a little bit over $2 million. It's not like you're saving a crap ton of money. Um, so I just don't know if it's worth it. Like if you were saving like, okay, 10 million that he signed for 10 a year or so, you were saving $8 million by cutting him. Okay. Maybe like, sure. That might make sense, but is it really worth it? Like, just as, you know, maybe what if he comes back healthy? Like he was a productive player in Atlanta. Like he really was. If he comes back healthy and plays well for you next year, like I just, like you said, I don't know if you're going to be able to find a wide receiver three that's going to be as productive as him, especially when the cap savings that you would have is minimal. So, um, you know, it's not, you're opening up another hole. You need a wide receiver three in today's NFL. You just do um in today's nfl the passing league it is you need a wide receiver three and i just i I don't know if you want to open up yet another hole that you have to fill so um you know i mean the draft class at wide receiver is not great it's not as good as it has been in years past i know people have sort of gotten used to the idea of oh the wide receivers wide receiver draft classes are just insane it's fine this year, but it's not like it has been in years past. Like, I don't know if you can find really good guys in the third, fourth, fifth round, like you have in years past. Um, and the free agent wide receiver class is not good. So like, I think your best bet would be to just keep Russell Gage and see if he can improve. If he doesn't, sure, the next offseason he's gone. But if, if he does, then you have three really good options there for whoever your quarterback is. So I I, just, I see more benefits in keeping him than, than, than cutting him.
1: And uh, we'll wrap it up with this quarterback talk here. We got someone in the chat mentioning the possibility of Jimmy G at quarterback for Tampa Bay in 2023. Listen, not to uh, you know, not to not to tease you guys too much or anything, but the next time we talk to you here on the podcast, we are actually going to deep dive into why exactly the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should stay away from Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll use some talking points from an article on BucksNation.com written by The Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. But one more question for you before we wrap this show up. The title of the episode here on YouTube is Who's the Next Tampa Bay Buccaneers Quarterback? And I want to ask you that same question. Do you have to predict (laughs) the week one starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2023? Whether they draft a guy, whether they sign a veteran, or whether it's Kyle effin' Trask, who do you think it's going to (laughs) be?
0: Uh, um, I don't think it's gonna be Kyotrask. I, I, hmm. okay. I'm gonna take the cop out answer. I'm gonna say it's gonna be one of two names. It's gonna be Jacoby Brissett or Baker Mayfield. If, if I had to guess, I think it's gonna be one of those guys. I know, obviously, Bruce Arians is still in the building. Uh, Bruce Arians is a pretty big fan of Baker Mayfield, so. I know Bruce spoke glowingly of Kyle Trask as well, but yet again, I need to remind everybody he is the only quarterback under contract right now. So um yeah, I I think it's gonna be one of them too. Um if it honestly, if it's not though, like if it's not one of those two, I would personally just rather roll a trask, I guess. Um, and see what you have there. Like if you're gonna sign Drew Locke, like that's fine, but like you know, like I don't want Drew Lock to be the starter, and if, and if Drew Lock does win the starting job, that means Kyle Trask is very not very good. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be one of them too. I think they're just they're going to aim a little bit higher um, because I, I think jobs from the line here. And I just oh, yeah. think they, they know they need to be competitive. And I think they're going to look at a wide open FC South right now and then think that they can be. So um, I think it's going to be one of them too, but if it's not, then I will say, I think Kyle Trask is the, the third likeliest option on that point.
1: All right. Well, uh, I have two separate answers. I'm only going yeah,
0: to, and that could change. We're, we're about three weeks away from free agency. I mean, a lot, yeah. a lot can change. Yeah.
1: Uh, so my heart's answer is different than my brain's answer. And I'll give you my brain's answer first. My brain's answer is, is Kyle Trask. Um, maybe it's because I have confidence in him to win the starting job. And maybe it's because I know that there's a couple of people on this Buccaneers coaching staff who are just chomping at the bit to actually see if this guy is about it. Uh, so with that being said, I, I do think the Buccaneers sign some, uh, some competition. Is it the best free agent quarterback? I, I don't think so, but I think they bring someone in and I think Trask wins the job. Now, my heart, you already know what my heart says. My heart says that Minshew mania rolls into Tampa Bay and runs wild on you, brother. And uh, unfortunately, I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> I, I do think Minshew's a, a free agent target for the Bucs, but it seems yeah, like... Yeah, I, I, I just, could
0: see them having just, an interest.
1: You know, it just doesn't seem like something they would do. It's just, it yeah. one, because they love to spite me whenever I really like a player and want to see them in a Bucks uniform. They usually try their best to make sure that doesn't happen. But two, it just, I just, I don't know. I guess I'm just going to fall back on my intuition on this one. I don't know. I guess it just boils down to I never get what I want. So, okay. so with that being said, uh my prediction is Kyle Trask. Your prediction is Baker Mayfield. Should, yeah, should I we guess say I, Baker I, Mayfield's your number one prediction?
0: Jacob Brissett.
1: Okay, Brissett over Mayfield.
0: Yeah. If I had to if I had to choose one of them, yeah.
1: I would agree with you. I would go Brissett over Mayfield as well. But ladies and gentlemen, drop your predictions in the chat and uh we will wrap back up with those. But before we let you go. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news, as it happens, not only can you listen to the Cannon Fire Podcast like you did today, but you can also check out my co-host, Evan, on Instagram at bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at Bucksnation.com. What have you got this week?
0: Uh well I actually I covered the 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 Donovan Smith release this morning and um gonna be looking at some of the Bucks free agent priorities, um I sort of mentioned it last week too I think but I'm gonna be just ranking their their priorities uh, for who they have to re-sign uh, not saying they're gonna re-sign all of them just who I think should be their their priorities in order so keep on eye out for that.
1: All right. Should be good. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram, and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. A bold prediction here in the live chat. David Cardona says, Evan Wanish will be the 2023 Buccaneers quarterback. One, you heard it here first. That would be groundbreaking.
0: Look, I can neither confirm nor deny. So, um, yeah, I got to keep all that... uh, We'll see you come March fifteenth, I guess, right?
1: I mean, you know, you certainly wouldn't be the first Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback in history with a podcast, but you would be the first podcaster in history who played quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah, I would be making history. So, you know, like I said, I can't uh can't confirm nor deny. So maybe there's a reason I just I want Russell Gage to on a team. Maybe I just, you know, I don't want to be thrown to a bum or something. I don't yeah.
1: know. There you go. Buck Skull Gang in the house says, I think Baker could be the one. Willie Beeman says, I think Baker Mayfield is complete garbage. He gets us an automatic (laughs) 2024 top 10 pick. That was like you really feel Willie. Yeah, I mean, Willie really (laughs) laying it down, letting you know. Bucks Nation 31 brings up Derek Carr, but honestly, I think that ship has sailed, my friend. We mentioned it a little bit earlier, but you never know. Like we said, the Bucks could get any free agent they want. I guess we'll just see how aggressive they decide to get with free agency looming and a couple of other releases yet to be made. We'll keep you guys posted along every step of the way. Keep it locked right here. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you so much for listening, and go Bucks! Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.